If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah, the Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. And, and, you know, any culture will have 30, 50, 100 things going on. Then another culture will have another 50 things, another 50 things. But if you look across cross-cultural, there's maybe 20 concepts or so that keep repeating. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be talking to Dr. Elvir Kosovic, Esquire, a little bit later. Did I mess it up? Why are you covering your face? Kosovic, yeah. What did I say? Kosovic. Are you sure I'm not right? Yeah. I knew some Kosovic, so. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah. I think I'm right. Well, you asked me like three times, and I pronounced it three times, and then you just said something completely different. <laughs> so you obviously just have no faith in me, or you just want to do it your it own wasn't, way anyways. No, it wasn't like that. It was just a... T- <laughs> <laughs> It was just a total um, uh, subconscious. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you think so I'm wrong? We're going to work on your subconscious. We got a guy coming on about subconscious stuff soon, so that'll be fun. What's wrong with my subconscious? Nothing. Just, Nothing's you know, wrong. It good. just ignores me. No, it fixes you. <laughs> In your own way. <laughs> That's what you think. We need to apply some ancient wisdom to this problem. I, What? I just did. My anciently, my ancient wisdom corrected your incorrect pronunciation of Doctor Kosovic's name. Okay, buddy. Whatever. I forget which one I said now. Yeah, you said Cole. Okay. Yeah. That's what Anyways, this was a good. This is a good chat. Um, real amazing guy. You know, been through all. We get into all kinds of neuroscience and. From the concussion stuff that he studied and ancient wisdom. He was an engineer, a lawyer, business tycoon, father of four. He's well trained. Putting it all together on upend.com. What's upend.com? That's his uh, website. Oh, that's just his website. That's the new company. That's his new, like, his new venture. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what have you been up to? What do you got? Well, I, I wanted to ask you about your trip uh, to uh, Montana. We've been we had the power outage here, and uh, you in had the power town, in our town. We had a full blown power outage. Everything out, everywhere. everything, the lights, including everything, ga- including gas heating. Really? Yeah. The the gas heat didn't work. The gas heat didn't work. So I'm a little bit a little bit alarmed. It was, it was Which a bit of a gas taste. heat? The stove? The uh, what? The, the fireplace? The fireplace didn't work. No. What about the stove? And I was told what it would the in stove? a power outage, so... What about the stove? The stove's electric, so... Oh, I have a gas stove, too. Yeah. So that's alarming, because, may- I mean, maybe it was it was the main, like, because it wasn't just the blown fuse in here, the power outage in, in my place, it was the town, maybe... Well, if it hits the compressor station, I thought you'd be good as long as it doesn't get yeah, to well, the compressor I was told- station. 
by the gas people too. I wasn't going just on what you said. I was told that it would work in a power outage. So, what you you didn't trust me? Well, clearly I was uh, wrong. So you were right not to trust me. Maybe so, yeah, I could I just to... buy some firewood instead of getting out here. I'd like to have a bunch more firewood than I got. You know? Yeah. How was your trip? It was good. Montana? Was it snowing down there too? Or? It wasn't snowing on the east side. On the east side. Okay. It was raining. Uh, Sorry. On the west okay. side. On the west side. It wasn't snowing lake, on the like west by... side. By the lake, it was raining. Okay. okay. Mostly raining. Really? Was it nice, like the leaves changing and stuff? Yeah, it was. It was nice. The leaves were changing, but it was raining the whole time. Really? Yeah, which wasn't terrible. It was great. And then on the way back, it started like snowing. When you got up into the mountains, it started snowing a bit. And then as you got over the mountain, it was snowing more and more and more and more. Well, we kind of knew what we were getting into a little bit because we knew it snowed here. So it was good. And, but we drove to the fucking Del Bonita border crossing through a bunch of fucking shitty roads. Oh, that one is way that's that's really sketchy kind of, isn't it? You're going up and climbing up those weaving your way through that old forest it's that was fucking kinda no, it was just out in the fields. It was oh. just out in the fields and the roads were not plowed and it was full of snow. It was terrible. Sketchy. And then the fucking thing was closed. Oh, my God. What? It was closed. The border was fucking closed. Why? I don't know. Snow? My The sign said it was going to be open till 5 p.m. And my GPS said it was going to be open till 5 p.m. It was closed. So, and there's like nobody it? around. No, you can't run it. I was like, that's like, cause I've always said, if I ever pull up and the board is closed, I'm just going to go around that shit. But there was nowhere to go. I mean, maybe if it wasn't snowing, if there wasn't a shit ton of snow in those, like, cause it, it was all drifted up in some places. So it was pretty deep. You know, if you, you didn't want to go driving off the road, you wouldn't be having a good fucking time. You'd get stuck. How was the visibility? The visibility was pretty good most of the time. It was blowing a bit, but not too bad. It was mostly that all the drifts and stuff were already there. You could mostly see where you're going, which is good. When you can't see where you're going, that's when it really sucks. So then this border is just closed. It's just fucking closed. There's no one around. There's like a bunch of barbed wire gates that are locked shut. Then you're on the U.S. sign, so you don't want to break through that. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to break through the gate at the border. You're going to, like, definitely go to jail. So we had to turn around, drive back, drive along, come across a car in the ditch. Oh, my God. And it's a oh Calgary taxi. A Calgary taxi? It says Calgary taxi on the side. Oh, my it's God. It's a Calgary fucking taxi cab. What? In the ditch, in the fucking middle of nowhere in Montana. Stuck. He had been stuck there for three hours. He was almost oh out of gas. God. Oh my God. So another truck stopped and we pushed him out. And uh, and he didn't have any gas, so I had to give him some gas. I had a jerry can in the back, luckily, with gas in it. So I gave him some gas. 
And then he was following us. And we went around the corner and he almost hit us. Sean was like, he's going to hit us. And I look in my mirror and this dude's like fucking just uh, this fucking East Indian dude is like, he's just like, I, I don't know if he's just never driven in the snow before or what's going on, but he's just coming flying. He's like, dude, like maybe six feet from the back of my truck, like half sideways. And I have to like hammer on it to like pull ahead of this guy so he doesn't hit my truck and put us both in the ditch. And I'm like, okay, well now he's got to like, he's going to calm down at some point, right? He's going to stop driving like a maniac. He just about (laughs) went in the fucking ditch again, like two minutes later. And um, we get done the straight stretch and there's all this snow and uh, I'm driving along and I'm going to kind of watch the road, right? Because it's precarious. There's a lot of snow drifts going across. And Sean's like, he's in the ditch again. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, this time he was like fucking in the ditch, like pfft, plowed in. A, he's got this snow drift in front of him. So I had to like, luckily I had a chain and a couple of ratchet straps in the back. So I was able to rig up and hook up his car and yank him out of this ditch. I didn't think what? I was going to get him. It was a struggle. I had to put it in four low, but it's just so icy and snowy that... Yeah, he's lucky. He's fucking lucky that I pulled him out of there because it didn't seem like it was going to be good. But I pulled him out, and if, you know, the, the old Dodger pulled him out. And then he followed us around for a bit. Did you t- talk? Tell him to sh- slow down. Yeah. So after know? I pulled him out the second time, I was just like, "Slow down, man. You just got to take it easy, take your time, relax." And I'm not going to like. I think he was maybe worried I was going to like take off on him. We were just going to take off and he would be like left out there. And I was just like, I'm not, if we get to a turn, I'll wait for you. I just, I won't leave you out here. So we got him to the interstate. And then from there, he, uh, we pulled off to get gas in some little town because it's way cheaper down there. Not way cheaper. It probably works out to like, oh, maybe like a buck 30 a liter though, instead of like a buck 80 here or whatever the fuck it is. So we pulled off fill of gas and he took off and then we were in line behind him at the border and he got through and I actually seen him when we went past Milk River, he was pulling out of the gas station there. So we made it successfully back to Canada, but that dude is going to have a rough winter and he could barely understand what I like. We could barely communicate because his English wasn't very good and he's driving a taxi cab and he he clearly can just can't drive in the snow at all. So, but weird that he was in in a taxi. He was in the ditch for somebody. Some I don't know. Someone paid a fare. Yeah, someone paid a fare to take him to the states. He's like, my GPS got me lost, and now I'm almost out of gas. And I've been here for three hours, and only one person came by, and he he said, "Sorry, I can't help you," and drove off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it would be hard if it was only one person. They probably couldn't help. Yeah, if you didn't have a truck, if you didn't no. have a truck or, you know, a couple of people, or if you were like, he was like a big, you know, he wasn't a small dude. If you were like a, a woman or like, I don't, I don't know the details on who stopped. He just said only one person stopped yeah, and yeah, they said yeah, they couldn't yeah. help. You know, if you were a chick, yeah. you probably wouldn't want to, I'll call for help. So I don't know if there was cell service out there or not. I usually have cell service because we I have the cell booster. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. So how was the border going down? Did they ask any questions on the way down? They asked, they asked if we were vaccinated. That was it. They didn't, what? they didn't ask for papers. They said, he's like, y'all are what? vaccinated, right? No. 
Yeah. Really? With some black dude. He's like, y'all vaccinated, right? That's uh, disappointing. Yeah, he asked. He did not see nothing, though. No, I know. I know. Yeah, they don't. They they haven't really done that for a while either. I mean, it was all right. It was all right going both ways. There was uh, no hassle. There was a line on the way back. <laughs> Only one thing open, but I think that's because. And from what I heard, the reason that other border crossing closes because they can't get any fucking people to work there. I was just gonna say that that's the one that's gonna close first. I mean, it's hard to. It's really in the middle of nowhere. And then there was only the one lane open at Coots on a Sunday. You know, you'd think the Sunday's the day you're expecting some people going back and forth. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That was good. So the power's out for how long? Uh, a couple hours. Really? Yeah. With no heat. No heat. Nothing. No. Interesting. That's troubling. Yeah, it was a bit troubling. Was it Calgary too? No, just our town, Chestermere. And he still had no gas. Yeah. I'm going to actually call and find out, I think, probably on Monday or somewhere. Today's Monday. Um, Someday. I wish I'd have known that. Well, my stove at my... um... Fuck, I'd like to try that. I wish I would have been here. You don't have a gas stove then? No. Huh. I'll let, I'll let you know what they say when I call and find out. Because that was a bit, I was right away check, checking the fireplace. Yeah, if it was minus 40, you'd want that fucking fireplace working. Yeah. Interesting. I had to get firewood. Anyway, what'd you do? <sighs> um... Well, you know, just just the normal stuff. What's the normal yeah. stuff? Walk the cat. You must not be walking the cat anymore. No, no, I was uh, <clears throat> just doing some. Uh, you know, where I did, uh, I uh, I uploaded the DB Cooper um, narrations for you. Got oh. that done. Lucky Been me. narrating some other stuff, and uh, what's that? Lucky me. Yeah, I meant to tell you that earlier. You should email Dan and find out when that's coming out. And I've been putting out some outlawed, uh, outlawed excerpts. It's well. like a couple hours of work. What else do you do? That, that's about it. Huh. Tough yeah. weekend. What, yeah. uh, do you have a quote for us? I got a quote, yeah. And I got an email, sort of a project. Uh, you know, it's not really a project operation, but. It's from one of our past guests that I, I thought might be interesting to share. Oh, also, we want to talk about Randall's thing, too, right? Yes. And and Grand America Outlaws. So I'll start with a quote, if you want. Well, that last episode was uh, some people, a lot of people didn't, but said they'd feel better about that interview if Buddy was giving it from jail. Oh, but, my God. What? Yeah. And you know what? I... You know, I don't know if I believe him either. If I what did, I wouldn't try to get out of it. I would just go to jail. He did. He did. But then he got out. He did. He like. How long? Well, of course, you get out of it if, because the you know if if you're not criminally responsible because you've been on drugs like psychotic mm. on drugs, then you get out. I mean, this is what Canada's like, right? You get out of jail. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even putting thieves. They're not even putting criminals in jail right now. I mean, all right. I like that answer. I like that answer better 
than I thought where you were going with it. (laughs) (laughs) He's done his time, basically, right? I mean, he did his time. It was like fucking nine months, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was four years or five years. It was a few years. It was four years, I think. It wasn't nine months. It was a good long time. A good long time. Yeah, dude. I mean, what do you want out of that? I mean, he was he he turned himself in. I mean, there was no like you know. I mean, he wasn't trying to get out away with it or anything like that. He was like, yeah, I did. Premeditated murder. It's gotta be twenty five years. Oh my god, dude! No, he was psychotic. So but this is why it's such a rare case. Because in the states, you're probably not going to have anybody. But I don't think you know? that gets you out early for being psychotic. Sorry. Well, it's because he wasn't like held criminally accountable or whatever, right? I don't know the technical terms, but anyway, people should check it out. Well, it's I got a, a wild from, episode. Uh, what? It's a wild episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I I wish him all the best with that. I mean, Darren, I'm I'm listening to this audiobook called Mad in America right now, and it's crazy, dude. How it goes back into the uh, asylums and the, basically the, the psychiatric. Um, facilities and pharma going back hundreds of years and it's just crazy dude crazy and i'm I'm just getting up to the point where like it's current day kind of thing but oh it's been are a you, are you listening to this along. just for fun or is this recent well no we're, we have somebody coming on outlawed that wants that was suggesting i listen to that book because we're going to push back on psychedelics a little bit um because of the history of Urban? pharma what? Is it Jan Irvin? No, no, it's no. not. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Outlaw, I got a message here that you sent me. Uh, dumped PayPal for Grimerica support. Signed up for a plus membership to Outlaw using Striped. Win, Stripe, sorry. Win-win. I get more of your awesome content. You get more of my awesome American dollars. Do this, people. It's important. Do something. I mean, you got to do something. Grimerica... Outlaw.ca. If you want to check out Decker America Outlaw content, you can sign up for Plus over there on Stripe or PayPal. You want to say something over there? Yeah, yeah, because we just released, uh, you you got the All Seeing Eye episode one out, which is from May 1923, Manly P. Hall's magazine. And in that uh, release, I'm not too sure how long it is, how long it ended up being. Do you remember? Two hours and four minutes. Wow, two hours. Okay, just over the two-hour mark. Yeah. Nonsense is a factor in soul growth, music, Chinese cosmogony, the, bru- the blue Krishna, masonry, the robe of blue and gold, Atlantis, the lost continent, books in their place in occultism, the light of Asia, a letter from the brothers of the Rosy Cross, and the third eye, an occult detective story. So that's out there for, for members as well, for Outlawed Plus members. And that's a whole separate RSS feed that you paste into your podcast player um, and then plug your username and password in and you get the whole separate feed with the full length episodes. Right. Outlaw.ca if you want to check that out and grammarica.ca slash support guys. It's important if you can sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation, make a sign up for a Stripe, whatever you can do to keep the show going. Uh, we, we still lost a ton of support. We're still down after the whole PayPal debacle. We understand if you don't want to be a PayPal... But you go over there and you can just click on the Stripe button and boom, you're on Stripe and you're back up and running. And we're back up and running and we can keep going. So grammarica.ca slash support, guys. It's important. If you like the show, if you're getting some value from the content, that you give us some value back. grammarica.ca slash support. Sign up today and we would love you forever.
motherfuckers. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, I'm going to play the oppo jingle for this just because I want to. Oh, I, I, I had the quote ready there. Oh, Not- fucking. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of that book i was talking about mad in america is like 20 years old um and it's very very relevant anyways did alex jones get sued for two trillion dollars oh i thought that was just a meme is it uh, (laughs) i believe the quote that i'm about to read synchronistically is about a guy that is featured in that book going back a couple hundred years. So this quotes from a couple hundred years ago? Yeah. Unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize an undercover dictatorship to restrict the art of healing to one class of men and deny equal privilege to others. It will be to constitute the Bastille of medical science. All such laws are un-American and despotic and have no place in a republic. The constitution of this republic should make special privilege for medical freedom as well as religious freedom. Mm, Thomas Jefferson. No, close. Thomas Benjamin Maine. Rush, MD, signer of the Declaration of Independence. Signer. Signer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was a special, special way to pronounce that, but I had to. I, I missed uh, Reddit. Signer. <laughs> I thought it was a special way because it's not just a signer. I don't think it's a signer. It's a. It's a, I think it is a signal. I'm sure it's not. Anyways, let's move on. What was that noise? <laughs> looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. Project Operation. I'm going to just call this like techno signatures. This is uh, Bruce Fenton, his email, or it might even be considered his sub stack. It's called techno signatures. Uh, let me just see if I go to is the it bottom on sub stack. Um, you know what? I, I don't think it is. No, it's just like his. Uh, so it's his own sort of blog thing. Techno signatures. So he's talking about. Uh, did you hear about this stuff with uh, the search for alien technologies um, about the moon series? Is it called the C- So he's talking about the asteroid belt and how they thought it, it was a planet way back when, right? There was some people that hypothesized that it was a planet in the middle of Mars and Jupiter. Um, and he's talking about this, uh, having rendezvoused with Vesta. So NASA's Dawn spacecraft 
rendezvoused with the second largest asteroid in the belt. Um, but it was nothing like but a big potato-shaped rock marked with craters. Ceres, however, offered far more mysteries and several intriguing features. So while the composition was the same, have you seen you haven't seen these pictures at all? Well, water he says possibly ongoing subsurface geological activity is present. Um it looks like the growing there's growing evidence the rocky surface hides a significant amount of water. So it says while water is an exciting discovery, it's not the presence of this crucial liquid that has brought the attention of these scientists. It's this light. So the Oxator or Oxator crater, including uh, included several mysterious bright spots. The data analysis from NASA's Dawn probe enabled a detailed study of the features, including the bright spots. And they say, while the ex- exact explanation remains open to question, the leading hypothesis is the presence of highly reflective salts resulting from the action of ice volcanoes. These so-called cryovolcanoes would be produced by subsurface brine reservoirs pushed upward by hydrothermal processes. However, it must be said that there are professional doubts about this cryovolcanic activity. So there's a really shiny, like there's a picture here, really, really shiny thing. Like it's hard to believe it would just be like reflective salt. It looks like a light. So then there's this other striking feature and they use some AI, um, it's a 92, there's a 92 diameter, three kilometer deep impact structure on this, on this asteroid. It's called Cerulea Tholus. And what they did is they did this uh, AI type. Neuro, so there's this, let me, let me, let me just get a thing here. So the initial intention was to study ways that compare how human beings and machines recognize planetary images. <clears throat> so they could like overlay this thing and it would better understand like, whether this was artificial intelligence or not. And it would help the astronomers discover physical evidence of ETs. So the experiment was carried out. So let me go, let me go back. The neural network was given images of Ceres and soon identified a circle within a square enclosed by a larger triangle. So you're, you're giving it to this AI that's looking for like shapes that we would make, right? Not natural shapes of an asteroid. And there's these geometric structures reminiscent of alchemical symbols, and they they were occluded. Oh, they were initially occluded by the bright glow emanating from the reflective region. So this is really interesting. Now I didn't realize that. The same feature was also picked out by human volunteers forming a control group, all of whom had no training in astronomy. So the joint human AI confirmation seemed to support further legitimacy purportedly identifying as an anomaly. And there's a picture here of this huge triangle shape with a square and a circle in the middle of it. Hmm. You think it's a UFO? No, I, I think it's... Um, space, space? It's it's a old... Um, base? I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, or some megalithic thing. I mean, it really does look square. Like when you look, it's pretty obvious that there's a huge line across there, a straight line with a square stuck to it, almost like an old column or something. But I mean, it's probably huge, so I shouldn't say column, but it looks like it. So yeah, interesting. Email me. Never heard about this. What? Me either. Email me that so I can take a look. Yeah, yeah, I will. What else you got? 
Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, oh yeah, Randall uh, live. Randall. Randall, Randall, all you can handle, Randall, Randall, all the Randall you can handle. Um, actually, there's a Netflix show coming out with Randall. November eleventh, Hancock. November eleventh, and the last episode is Randall, sort of in the area that we do tours with him uh, in the Scablands of Washington. But before that, he's doing a Halloween live stream on HowTube, right? HowTube, and he's going on Joe Rogan, and he's going on Joe Rogan. But the Halloween stream is on HowTube, right? So, are you going to play? You're going to play some of that in this uh, I'm intro. Try to right now. I'm going to try and play and, right now. And then uh, let me see. I'll put a link in the show notes, and you can buy tickets. It's eighteen bucks. Wait, is this the witch one? Did you want me to play the witch one? That's not the one I was playing. I was playing the uh, one underneath it. I'm gonna play this one right now. Hello, folks. Randall Carlson here. On October 30th, I will be live streaming a presentation on the ancient festival of the dead, the precursor to our modern Halloween. In modern times, Halloween is seen as a relatively harmless celebration, primarily aimed at children and having no particular significance other than an excuse to dress up in silly and scary costumes and have a party. But the roots of this annual tradition go much deeper than most people realize. In fact, our modern custom of Halloween is descended from an ancient tradition that was observed by our ancestors all over the world and preserved memories of a momentous event that has implanted itself deeply in the human psyche where it still resides to this day. In this unique live stream event, the mighty cosmic secret that lies concealed in the primordial ritual of the festival of the dead will be revealed in the hope that a reconnection with our deep and forgotten past will enhance the probabilities of successfully navigating the future. Thank you, and I hope I see you there. All right, how it? Right on, and October ex- 30th. Yeah, there's an extended trailer, I think, too, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll link to the video with, a, with an extended trailer and link to the ticket sales. Bada bing, bada boom. Is that all we got then? Yeah. We're out of here? All right. Just got the bio of Dr. Elvir. Dr. Kosovic. What was Dr. Elvir Kosovic. Kosovic. Esquire. He's a rebel entrepreneur and wisdom activist. He's been a professor, engineer, executive, investment banker, people coach, and earth lawyer. He now runs a boutique investment bank, Tech Plus IP Capital Upend, the new school of ancient wisdoms, and is board of director at Earth Law and Work Life Law. So losing his country to war as a teen, Elvir finds home in desperate worlds and kinship with the othered. He's since joyously clipped four umbilical cords of children who have changed his life, tasted the world's finest mountain rivers, and inhaled old-growth forests. He can never again pretend not to know a beauty way. He holds a doctorate in electrical engineering from Washington University, a law degree from University of California, and apprenticed as transformational coach at Phoenix 2000 and trainer designs. So today he's uh, his quest is to refresh our collective memory of our ancient wisdoms. So we can each live well, enjoy each other and cherish our earth. There you have it. We hope you guys live well and cherish the earth and enjoy this chat with Dr. Kozovic.
right, Dr. Elvir Kosovic Esquire, welcome to the show. How you doing? Very good. Good to be good, here. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you about your journey and uh, ancient wisdom. Yeah, it's going to be nice. I guess, I mean, let's start off with the big question that I, I love asking our, our guests because it's the most fascinating part of, of what we do is like, is how you went from being an engineer and a lawyer and a father of four and a tycoon in the tech world, like how you went through from all this to like ancient wisdom teaching. I mean, because this is like sort of a, a main theme that seems to come up a lot. That's right. Uh, uh, thank you for that question. I don't know about tycoon, but that sounds good. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I'll put that in my bio. Tycoon, tech tycoon. I love. I it. wasn't sure if I should say that, but I it's figured you perfect. could. Perfect. Yeah. Better than oligarch these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not a tech tycoon, but I am a father of four. Uh, and look, these were not. Uh, it, it wasn't like a change from one to the other. Uh, these things developed uh, in parallel. As a matter of fact, a lot of the things that I did in business. Uh, and, and uh, success I found in business was rooted in, in ancient wisdoms and rooted in, in core concepts, right, of respect and reciprocity and giving and empathy uh, and, and like that, connecting with people at a human level. Uh, that's the root of business relationships, right? Yes, of course, brainy stuff happens and we do deals and tech and money and all of that. But at the end of the day, you know, I work with people and, and, and that's the most important piece, uh, whether it's a client or, or, or somebody that we're selling a company to, uh, or whether it's people on my own team. So you've always been interested in that? Was it always a conscious kind of thing that you incorporated? Because uh, it's not really a usual thing, right? People kind of go through that engineering business background. I don't think they sort of automatically incorporate these principles. Uh, I, w- I was lucky that one of the teachers that n- that's now at upend.com, right, the, the enterprise yeah. that I'm running, um, is uh, Martha Borst. I met her early in my career, okay. um, and she's really the one who got me started on thinking a different way, right? Getting me out of the kind of warrior, get it done mindset, you know, and get it done at every, you know, uh, at every expense, leave dead bodies in the wake, right? Just but plow forward to say, wait a minute, it's, is this really what you want? Uh, and, and is there a better way, is there a better way to get things done? Yeah, that's okay. That's interesting. So that was early on in your career. That's right. That was early. That was in the late 90s uh, when, when I was uh, running, you know, my first medical device company. I was at uh, at, uh, at Yale University teaching uh, at the time, and I ran what ended up being three different medical device companies. So I had, uh, I was really interested in how the brain worked. So I wanted like to get in there and figure it out. Uh, uh, but one way to figure it out is to measure the EEG signals. So that was my doctoral dissertation. And uh, the first company we did, we measured baby brains to see if baby brains are working at birth and if babies can hear. Uh, The second company I did, that one sold to another big company. The second company I did was more interesting. It had to do with consciousness. And uh, it turns out there's about uh, 80 million surgeries in America that uh, where we administer anesthesia to people and, uh, and people lose consciousness and regain consciousness. And I was like a you know a kid in a candy store trying to figure out like what's happening in these brains as they're sitting there awake and they completely lose consciousness so much you can operate on this person and then within a half an hour or three hours or eight hours later the person just wakes up and regains consciousness. And I wanted to see like which parts of the brain light up, what goes to sleep, what doesn't go to sleep, uh, like that. That was fascinating. That second company sold 
we made a, a thing called the depth of anesthesia monitor. It sold it to another big Fortune 500. Uh, and then I did a, a concussion company, right? I wanted to see if you, you know, rack your head on something, whether you're a soldier in Iraq or Afghanistan or an NFL player, an NCAA player, right? What what happens with the marbles? Uh, and can we can we tell when it's safe for somebody to get back in the game? And their company wow. is still running. Wow. How, so what are the results of that one? I mean, these are all fascinating, fascinating subjects. Is there is there a chance of getting back in the game after? Like, can you heal from these concussion syndromes? Uh, you really shouldn't, right? So it turns out it depends on... on um, there's kind of a set of brain waves for, call it, you know, normal folks. The three of us sitting around, if you put uh, brain electrodes on, you know, electrodes just on our forehead, you would see kind of a particular brain pattern. Uh, if one of us had a concussion, you'd see that those brain waves, like even to the naked eye, look very, very different. Uh, and then all you really got to watch is a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, do these, you know, do, do the brain waves look back kind of normal or, or are they still injured? And if it's injured, it's 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 the worst possible time to put somebody back in the game. It's a little bit like, you know, when you have a, a, a bruise. And then it just starts to heal, and then you hit it again, right? It yeah, hurts yeah. really yeah. badly, and brain is kind of the same way. So, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of uh, new developments in that area. A lot of people talking about post-concussion syndrome, and, and there's a lot of talk in the NFL. Was that partly due to your work at all, or was that sure? The, I mean, I was was the timing a, there for you? Yeah, That's right. I was part of a large group of people. Uh, I worked with uh, one of the first NFL guys who came out of the, the National Boxing League, uh, he came from the boxing into uh, NFL. They brought him on board. Uh, this was 10 years ago. Uh, but we actually spent more time working with NCAA uh, because they really wanted, they, you know, they, they really cared to protect the, the kid athletes uh, and to figure out who can go back uh, in the game. And then we worked a ton with uh, Wounded Warrior Project of people coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. The big deal there was to figure out, you know, you got six guys in Humvee. And the ID goes off on, on the side of the road and tosses the Humvee over. And six guys come out with the same symptoms. But when you measure the brain signals, it turns out that three guys have a concussion, like a mechanically they hit the brain. The other three guys have a post-traumatic stress disorder. They didn't actually hit their brain, but they experienced a super stressful event. And it turns out you want to treat them differently, right? You kind of give one group anti-epileptic drugs to calm down their nerves, and you give the other group like therapy and antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs, which are very different. So that was that was my big uh, my big deal, and I wrote a bunch of patents with a lot of other really super smart people at NYU and all kinds of places and other people in the companies uh, to just bring this uh, concept that you can actually measure the brain waves and uh, and, and 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 tell what's going on in the noggin, uh, which I found very interesting because if you look back at you know. Concussion being one thing, but if you look at stress, if you look at uh, meditation, if you look at all of these different other things, uh, they were perfectly well described uh, in uh, indigenous wisdoms, which have been passed down, you know, for literally more than ten thousand years, and then uh, in in uh, in ancient wisdoms, uh, and you know, back from time immemorial, uh, this idea of kind of how do you how do you live a good life. Um, like that. So it's what I found just incredible concordance, incredible agreement between kind of the heavy duty science, white lab coat, measure brain signals, and then things I learned over, if you will, on the spiritual side. Uh, and, and, 
all of these different correlates that are there. And that's what's most fascinating to me, and which is why I started Upend, right, is to really engage in this kind of discussion. Like, what do we know from biology, science, DNA, genetics? And then what do we know from indigenous teachings? What do we know from the Bible and the Quran and the Torah and, and all the religious texts, Badawad Gita? And, and it's an amazing amount of overlap when you when you kind of strip some of the elements off and you look what's going on underneath is you have some pretty good recipes on how to live a good balanced life. Uh, brain being only one part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's an important bridge, you know, the, the science and spirituality kind of bridge that, you know, a lot of people are working on it, but it seems to, it seems to still need, need a lot of, uh, a lot of attention. You know, did you, I want to go back to about your conscious, uh, your consciousness research on the uh, anesthesia. Did you did you learn anything interesting from that, like personally, or like were you able to be, were you able to tell like sort of how long somebody would need to stay under by uh, by the analysis, that kind of thing? Yeah. The scary thing is that if you look at, uh, we made this device uh, that gave you like a score from zero to hundred, right? So hundred is you're fully awake, zero is you're dead. So the anesthesia, you want to keep it like between 60 and 40, right? So for heavier uh, things, you want to go to 40, like for, I don't know, heart surgeries and all that. For simpler things, you know, some kind of colonoscopy, you want to keep it pretty light, like 60, 70, right? We gave this little index uh, that you could do. And what was uh, what was interesting, lots of interesting things there. Uh, one, uh, first one, I'll, I'll just highlight a couple. Yeah, the yeah, first for one sure. is You actually don't get, uh, uh, when you get anesthesia, you get three different drugs, right? You get kind of the... The drug that knocks you out, you get another drug that paralyzes you, and you get another drug that kind of keeps the pain away. And it turns out uh, when we did these studies, we didn't think there were any sane human that would do this. But we asked medical students, and we had like 20 people sign up, that we would completely paralyze them, but not give them anesthesia so they're not knocked out and they're not feeling any pain. But we just like tied off the arm with the tourniquet so they could just give hand signals, like more or less this and that and the other and uh, I really got some respect for medical students. I mean, these uh, men and women have, have, some, have some real guts. Uh, and they were really curious. They wanted to see what happens if you have this paralysis agent. Your complete body is paralyzed. You can't move, but you're completely awake. So well, that did, was one that we were trying to avoid. Did, so that, did, that, did that parallel sleep paralysis then? Or sorry? Did that per, uh, parallel the phenomena of sleep paralysis? Uh, no, it's a little different. This is a drug-induced paralysis. Yeah, right? yeah. You so, give a, a kind yeah. of drug that mercuronium that that paralyzes. So there you. wasn't any like weird, any other weird sort of things going on when they were paralyzed. You know how sleep no. paralysis like no. people's bodies won't wake up, but they have like encounters with entities. And you stuff could like ask that. them. No, no, you could ask them math questions. You could do all kinds of things, and they would they would answer. The other thing they would realize is, depending on where you are in the country, certain states like just naturally develop different standards. So I won't name the state, but in a certain group of states, doesn't matter, red, red, blue, or purple, uh, like everybody by design is snowed under, right? They give them so much anesthesia that, that, you know, there's no chance people wake up, but also, you know, they wake up with a few fewer IQ points, right? Because anesthesia is really? not healthy for you. Wow. Yeah. In other states, they keep you really light, right? They kind of titrate and get it just right. Uh, and you know, there's a lot in the medical establishment that, uh, that that we found out. But the interesting piece was how humans uh, respond to uh, to uh, to drugs and and uh, opiates and ketamine and propofol and mercuronium and all these different cocktails of drugs. Uh, real sophistication, right? You think you go and you just get anesthesia? 
there's a real science behind it and, and a lot of hardworking people, um, a lot of hardworking people there. Yeah, I think you made some some parallels to to the importance of sleep for us, too, with your brain kind of um, uh, analyzing the previous events and resting. And um, I can't remember what you said about the anesthesia and the sleep, but you, you right. talk about how important sleep is. It's critically important. Uh, and we are we have an epidemic of, of not enough sleep, uh, you know, not just in this country, but it, but in most of the developed world. And that's one thing that goes directly against all of the teachings of ancient wisdom. Um, it's it's also we wake up. Uh, we don't really follow the the night and day cycle anymore. Right. We yeah. work by the hour. Yeah. So you know, uh, in the summertime, I, I you know I'm up at six. I, I walk my dog. It's it's uh, you know during my summer morning prayer right and meditation. It's nice and sunny. And now it's I go through the whole morning routine of everything, and it's and it's dark. Really shouldn't be that way, but to make matter worse is we've got all of these things that, 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 you know, grab our attention, uh, you know, TVs and social media and all of that. And, and we just don't give, uh, we just don't give ourselves the kind of time we think we can trick our bodies to like sleep faster or th- you really can't. The science is, there's no question behind it. So people talk about how can I reduce stress in my life, right? Maybe it's something at work or something at, you know, in a relationship or something I'm doing, well, one is very simple, like just cut out, uh, you know, cut out uh, 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 the things that eat away at your sleep. Do we need, I mean, because some, I know people uh, that need four or five hours, they say, I probably like seven, maybe. Is there, is there a difference for everybody or is there, or should we be getting like a minimum amount each night, do you think? You know, if you've talked to sleep scientists and we've done a lot of work with them, uh, it does vary from person to person, but getting beyond four hours, I mean, you you are burning something that shouldn't be burned. Something is going to give, right? Your your liver, your nerves, your you know heart, your lungs. You're putting undue stress on some body part uh, that you won't know for a while because our bodies are pretty resilient. You can really you can really you know work the bodies and damage them pretty well. I mean, look at smokers. Right. Uh, the reason we have this extra lung capacity so that we can run, right, run away from the saber-toothed tiger. Um, so, so if you have, if you're only using 20, 30 percent of your lung capacity, you can keep smoking until you use up that capacity, and you won't know the difference. But sooner or later, you know, if you keep smoking, you're starting to eat into that 30 percent, 20 percent, 10 percent, and then you're in real trouble. So you can fool yourself for 20 years thinking I'm doing fine, and and you're really not. Well, have you heard of that? Uh, I don't know what it's called, but there's people that are trying this sleep pattern where they sleep for two or three hours at a time, multiple times per day. So they don't go to bed like one time. They just do this little spurts uh, all throughout the day. Is is that dangerous or? Um, you, you know, the science says that it is, right? It's the yeah. Kennedy nap, right? Can you take a Kennedy nap and just do uh, two hours and then work into the night and do two hours and and, and all this stuff? I mean, it's I mean, maybe work for some people, but it's just there, there are no correlates in all the scientific research that I've seen that says that that works because you have these stages of sleep, right? You have the light sleep, you have the REM, the rapid eye movement, and you have deep sleep. And, 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 and you can't get into the deep sleep uh, in an hour or two. Maybe some people can, but for most of us regular earthlings, you need to be asleep for several hours uh, before you can really you know, get that deep sleep. And that's the restorative sleep. So when you study memory, Right and other functions in the brain. Uh, that's the part when when you do like the real storing of useful stuff 
you know, where a lot of the dreaming happens, where a lot of really important restorative uh, sleep happens. And if you're kind of chopping it up all the time, then you, ne- you, you never get to that. You never get to that point. Oh, that's interesting. So your memory recall will suffer probably all, all kinds of stuff. What if you just wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of it? Does that fuck it up? You know, uh, I'm going to be 50 in a, in two weeks. So uh, I never thought about that problem before, but it's coming, it's coming up. Uh, no, but what you 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 what, the, the way to really make things works worse is uh, if if when you wake up to you know go to the bathroom or whatever, if if you pick up the phone and check and see if there's something important, or if you uh, if you do uh, you know if if you let your mind spin and start thinking about today and all of this, and now instead of being a five minute break from your sleep. Now you're up from two to three in the morning. Uh, that's just not helpful. So what I've been doing, for example, for myself, just training myself. If I get up, like almost like saying, "Don't, don't, like, just don't think about stuff." Right? Let's clean the calendar. Let's be clear on what I'm doing before I go to sleep. Do my little evening prayer, you know, exercise, meditation. Clear everything. Or shut the phones off. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's made a huge difference in my life. I can't tell you uh, that you know the daily difference. And as soon as I'm off the wagon. The first thing that shows up is nervousness, edginess, wow. happiness, right? And you can you can track it pretty easy. Um, and you know, and you talk to any elder out there, and you read any any ancient book on anything. You know, the basic thing they tell you is, "I told you so." Dream time and dreaming is so important, right? I mean, they I think they even put a lot more uh, uh, seriousness into their dreams. You know, the messages the. And I feel like they were really well practiced at that. That's right. And part of what what came there is, you know, my wife is, uh, you know, has a little notebook by the side of the bed. So in the morning when she wakes up, she puts the dreams down so they're fresh. And over time, you actually get to remember more of your dreams. Now, whether these messages in your dreams are some kind of spiritual connection, right, from another dimension, uh, or whether you strictly look at biology and, and just say, okay, forget anything spiritual. It's just biology. Uh, they're still useful messages for you. Like, you know, uh, one of the things I tell, I have four kids, right? So one of the things I tell them is just keep track of how many times in your dreams you see something from a scary movie you just saw in the last couple of weeks. So like, don't put that stuff in your head, right? Yeah, yeah we're all excited to watch the new thing on Netflix, but, you know, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is watch some, some not some kind of slashing, you know, what is it when we were kids, uh, Psycho and all of that stuff that was kind of hilarious. But like some of these movies you watch right now, I mean, there's like a cadre of psychiatrists and psychologists that help put them together to just like put the fear of God in you, right? Uh, really chilling horror kind of stuff. And if you see that you watch that, and in the next two weeks you have three dreams that are cor- correlated to that, I don't know. I keep doing it if you like it, but you know, I'd say don't. Actually, that reminds me of something you mentioned before about the pattern, reckoning, recognizing patterns in your mind. Like you mentioned something like look for, try and practice. And I don't know if this, we'll get into this a little bit deeper later when you talk about uh, the pact um, with yourself. Right. But the, um, like looking for something new all the time, which actually exercises your brain to, uh, uh, I guess, to create new pathways or to be recognizing new things. And I mean, I think when you're traveling, it's very easy to do that because you're kind of, you have to be in the moment. All the scenery is new, all the things are fresh, you know, but in your day-to-day life, just driving around, can you give me some examples of how you would do that? Let's say like driving to and from work or just hanging around the house. Yeah. I mean, driving to and from work, you know, uh, take the bus one day, right? Or take a walk. 
uh, or go go a diff- through a different part of town, right? Uh, so make make you know make something interesting happen. Uh, you know, look, um, I, I'm oversimplifying, but kind of the way our brains work is the the brain is trying to preserve energy at all times, and it's trying to say like the simplest possible path to anything, and any kind of learning is making new neural pathways. And and the brain doesn't really want to do that. It doesn't really like to do that. So we fall into these patterns. I mean, it's just an energy preserving, right? It's just a biological thing. So we got to train ourselves to to notice new things in our life because what we when we fail to notice, right? We don't see that something is developing, and you say, "Oh, I didn't see this coming." Well, actually, you did see it coming, right? If you got you know fired from your job, for example, right? I mean, it may be that your boss is just an evil person. Your company is an evil company. But it could be that it's something that you're doing or not doing that you should be doing, right, with your clients or whatever, right? Or something with your kids that you just didn't see it coming or, or with your spouse. Uh, and had you been paying attention and noticing, right, you, you, would, have, you would have seen it coming. But we're, it were easy to just kind of stay in the pattern, stay on the track. And, and um, it's important, and ancient wisdom teaches us this, right? it's important to... Uh, Get out of the brain part and get to connected to the other parts of ourselves, right? Uh, get connected to the heart, get connected to the body. We've completely been disembodied, right? Because last 300 years from Descartes on, right? I think, therefore I am. Meaning, whatever I feel, it doesn't matter. Whatever spirit, spiritual connection, uh, it doesn't matter. Because if I feel, I'm not. And if I'm spiritually connected, I'm not, right? If I'm in my body, I'm not. Uh, but if I think, then I am. Right, then I exist, which is nice. Right, thinking is good. It's just not the only thing. It's just one piece of the puzzle, and I think we've gone just far off into la la land. And if you look at relationships with other people, relationships we have with our bodies, the kinds of things we ingest, that that you know, if we stopped and thought for one second, you know, we wouldn't do this. Right, we wouldn't drink what we drink. We wouldn't eat most of what we eat. We wouldn't watch most of what we watch. Uh, we'd actually spend more time in community and with people that we like. Right, and less time isolated and imbibing yeah. news or you know the latest Netflix game. Yeah, yeah, and more time in nature probably. I mean, really, I, I've yeah, I notice a difference when I'm in nature these days. It's uh, it's it's a it's a real difference. Um, that 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 brings up sort of the way you were talking about becoming present. One of the the things that you're you're mentioning is embodying embodiment. I think that's really important. Becoming like you know, getting into your body and feeling feeling it um whether that's uh like a soft pillow or something at night breathing your breath um yeah very important is that so part of the pact too or yeah, is that so a separate I learned this thing from yeah. one of uh one of the other teachers uh charity martin that uh that, that i've been working with for a number of years is this i like i just didn't think the, the of the body as kind of a useful resource yeah yeah right and i just kind of thought it had nothing to do with my mood like, what's my body got to do with my mood? My mood is in my mind, right? It's how am I feeling? What's happening at work? What's happening at home? Uh, and then I didn't think the body could be like, have some useful things for me. So this idea of embodiment uh, is, is you know, and it's the beginning of PACT, right? And PACT is very simple, right? It's P-A-C-T, and it's pause, ask, choose, and and tackle. Uh, and this idea of embodiment comes in this first piece when it's, when it's uh, ACT. Right, I'm sorry, when it's paused, before you even act. Right? We're so quick to act on something. And and I know I can tell you just, just today or just the last five days, I can give you 10 examples of just uh, uh, 
times where I didn't pause and got into it with a coworker, with a client at home, with the kids. You know, uh, you know, my son um, this morning, we're going to school. He takes his shoes and, and, and turns them upside down because they're sanding them right in the hallway here. And, you know, the, the proper thing to do was to pause. What's it, what do they say about teachers, right? Uh, do, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work with kids, right? They're going to copy what you do, right? Not what you say. Um, but let's say, I, let's say this, let's take this little example, right? So here's where we're late for school this morning. My son, you know, tries to put his shoes on, sees that there's sand and just like tips both shoes over and there's sand falling off, like in the hallway, right? In the house. So, okay, I didn't pause. So I said, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, he's yelling back at me. And now we have this whole yelling back and forth and all of this. Had I paused, right? Had I paused, I would have, I would have realized several things, right? I would have realized that this was kind of an, an emotional reaction in my coming from my body, right? Had I paused, I would have realized that the, the, the damage that's caused here is like zero, right? We're just going to vacuum and that's it, right? No big deal. Right. Had I paused, I would have realized I have an 11-year-old boy who, like, doesn't think about where does he dump sand out of his shoes. Like, oh, there's sand in the shoes. we got to dump it. Doesn't think about, like, am I sitting on the couch or should I, like, walk out the front door and dump the sand out? But I didn't pause. Had I paused, I could have had uh, the second piece of the pause is to, to ask myself, what choices are available to me? How do I respond here? Right. And, and how important is this thing? Right. Is this this is just a visceral reaction from my body? I could have just calmed down the body and, and asked myself, what are my options? So my options to calm down, my options to yell. Right. It's a good option. Right. Sometimes it's a good option. If it's like a real safety thing, you need to yell. Right. If the kid's climbing on the couch is going to fall off and they're three. Yelling is a is a good thing to get their attention. Right. Not to yell at them, but to get their attention, not to do stuff. But it's beat an option. Them. Sometimes you have right? to beat them. Uh, yeah. no. <laughs> he's, joking. Those he's joking. He's joking. <laughs> he had you. He had you there. <laughs> those times are past. Uh, I, I grew up in those times, but it was yeah. it wasn't bad. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think some of these. Um, what we, we, I had a couple wooden spoons broken on me. You know, I was right. I've had, I've had objects thrown at me, uh, all for good reason, right? <laughs> I think my my parents, given how I grew up, had a lot of restraint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think but we should? I want to. I want to get, get. Go ahead, Darren. Do you think we'd be better off throwing more stuff at kids these days? I'd say pick softer objects. You know, yeah, just like kidding. a little softer, but not totally soft. Like that's right, that's right. You know what? But it's about modeling the behavior, right? It's about what do you model to them? Tomatoes, and and if you model uh, flying off the handle, no matter what you do, right? Whether you yell or throw something or whatever. You're just modeling something that doesn't work, and then tomorrow it's going to come right back to you uh, through through them. I think the important part of the pause is is what you mentioned that uh, the reaction your brain that the reaction time for your brain is like what thirty milliseconds, thirty thousandths of a second. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually worse, right? So the the your ear is plugged into the is the is the plugged into the bottom of the brain right so your ear gets connected to the you know you have the middle ear then the cochlea that's inside the little thing that looks like a snail and that thing has 40,000 nerve endings that create the eighth cranial nerve that goes into your brain stem that takes 5 milliseconds 5 so that's 5, so that's five thousandths of a second right 5 thousandths of a second right i mean it is fast however all that does it just tells you like the saber tooth tiger is going to eat you run right and then it takes another 30 milliseconds for that to come up kind of through the midbrain regions 
right? Kind of roughly speaking into the limbic system. But by this time, you don't know what you're doing yet. It's just 30 milliseconds. By the time it gets to your brain up to where you can actually see the difference, it's 300 milliseconds, like a third of a second. And uh, one of the researchers I worked with years ago at NYU uh, created this thing called a P300, the wave, the positive wave at 300 milliseconds. And he figured if you just play sounds in the ear and you do one different, the brain recognizes it, but it takes a 300 milliseconds delay, a third of a second. And then, then you got that, that just means your brain registered it. That doesn't mean you made any decisions yet. So the first chance is a third of a second, but really kind of a full cycle time is like, call it a second, right, that, 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 that you need to do. And, and, but to really form a thought and to ask some questions, you're talking two or three seconds. So it doesn't mean you have to stop for like five minutes and meditate and pray and breathe and you don't have to big do awkward, that. big awkward silence. It doesn't big have awkward to do silence, that. but just give yourself a little time, right, to uh, to do this. And and I'm sure that if you practice that, not reacting so fast and creating that space before you respond, it gets to be somewhat automatic and somewhat easier as you go. That's it. So all you got to do is really build that neural pathway to right. to pause. And you just repeat that a few times. I mean, it takes a few weeks, right, to build it, but then you have it for life. And then like a dog, I have a 10-month-old puppy, you know, and as long as I give him treats every day and tell him to heal, he's fine. If I forget to do it for five days, he forgets the, the plan. So I do the same thing with pausing. If I don't remind myself to pause in a while, that's it, in a week. Uh, it's, you know, it, you got to just keep reinforcing it. Yeah, see, I love I love how you bring the science into that because – it, it that's another one of these ancient things, right? The whole mindfulness thing, right? And watching your thoughts and and watching creating that space between your thoughts. And the more you watch them, the more the more of a gap there is, and the more space there is, and the more time you have for that pause. I mean, it really fits with that. But to be able to measure it is fantastic. Yeah, and 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 you think of the ancient wisdoms or indigenous wisdoms, right? What do they say? Right? People say sleep on it, right? Uh, so you're giving yourself for really big decisions, you're giving yourself a lot of time. To really and sleep on it doesn't mean like spend all night awake thinking about the options, right? It literally means sleep on it. And well, and, 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 well and there is that phenomenon of, of the relaxation response where when you sometimes you're in that hypnagogic state, whether it's before sleep or after sleep, when you're well rested, ideas come to you, right? Inspiration comes to you. That's right. No, no, there's there's so much that uh, the more we learn about neuroscience with MRIs and EEGs and everything else. The more we can just say the indigenous people are right, and uh, ancient ancient wisdom people are right, and 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 the ancient books are right, because they say exactly these kinds of things, right? They're, they're, so the challenge has been for for me is and why I started up in is um, the real challenge is this: everybody knows the basic concepts, right? So what are the basic concepts of wisdom? I use the word wisdom, but it's really kind of a roll up word for ten or twenty basic concepts, right? So what are the basic concepts? Courage, right? Reciprocity, patience, uh, awareness, right? Noticing, uh, forgiveness, right? You list these words, kind of the basic virtues and basic, uh, basic skills. And and uh, when you talk to somebody about these things, every so of course I know these things. Uh, of course you do, but are you really using them like as a skill? So the example I give is like, is is your is your skill of forgiveness or is your skill of patience? Uh, as strong as Serena Williams' skill uh, playing tennis, right? And, and uh, you know, you can wake up at four in the morning 
and and she'll know exactly what to do. She'll beat you anytime, anybody in the world, right? You wake her up, shake her out of bed, and say, "Hey, we're gonna go play some tennis. Let's go outside. It's four thirty. It's still dark. Lights are on, and that's it. You're dead." And she won uh, every match. Same with you know Warren Buffett. Right, by the time the three of us get up in the morning, we have our coffee, brush our teeth. Uh, he's made a billion dollars, right? Uh, because the guy has the skill. And and what we've been uh, working at at Upend is uh, uh, figuring out a way of what's the best way to learn some of these skills, in some sense to relearn some of these skills, uh, and how much time does it take? And then what do you learn from each other? What do you learn from teachers, right? Uh, that people who have been around. Uh, because you're not going to learn it by watching, you know, Dalai Lama videos on whatever Mind Valley or Masterclass. They're excellent, but are they really changing your actual life? They provide insights. There's no question, but insights are very different than building new neural pathways. And to build those neural pathways, you got to have the other two parts of pack, right? You have the pause and ask yourself the options, but then you got to choose the option, and then T is tackle. You got to do it. You got to do it. And when you do it consistently and over time, over a few weeks, that's when literally new neurons form, like new pathways, uh, not neurons, new pathways, new neurons, the neurons connect to each other in a different way. And then the real benefit is you go, people talk about habits, right? There's all these books on habits. That's what a habit is. All it means is uh, you don't have to think about it. You, Serena Williams doesn't come on the on the court and says, okay, now I'm going to do forehand, and I'm going to do backhand, and I'm going to do spin it this way. She just does it, right? So you don't need willpower, right? You, you just, you're building these practices uh, into your life. Now, all of this easier said than done, right? And uh, it's, it's uh, uh, but that, that's the conversation we're engaged in at, uh, at Upend is what's the right mix of people sharing and talking to each other, building a community, which is the most important part of what we're doing at Upend. And then what are the right times when somebody who has some experience, not like a guru that sits in front of the board and writes on the whiteboard and drops wisdom and everybody takes notes, right? That's kind of the old model that doesn't really work. Again, if you look at ancient cultures and indigenous cultures, they learn through repetition, right? They learn through ritual, prayer, ceremony, rite of passage, dance. It's all the same lessons. They just teach it to different people in different ways, and you repeat it in interesting and engaging ways, and then you end up learning. That's interesting. What's the difference between, or not the difference, but can you tease apart a little bit between ask and choose? So after you pause, you're asking you're, you're asking yourself, like, what do I do in this situation? And then, and then you choose, and then, or it's sort of just between the, the act, choose, and tackle part? Sure. So the ask piece is you ask yourself, what options are available to me? Right, so let's go back to the dumping sand for my son's shoes, right? So one option available to me would have been to go to kind of the light heart and say, oh, man, I've been meaning to build a sandbox here in the house. Thanks for contributing, <laughs> you know, the first pound of sand. This is awesome. The dog's going to love it. It's going to be great, right? I certainly had that capacity. What is it Jeff Foxworthy used to say or one of, the, one of his friends? Uh, I had the capacity. Man. I just didn't have oh. the ability or <laughs> whatever it is. Right, but asking yourself which options are available to me, and 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 pausing and saying I can I can yell I can be quiet right maybe the smart thing to do is just to be quiet walk away pretend it didn't happen right I can make a joke out of it right like that and then and then choosing and tackling choosing Cho choosing and tackling all of this array of options 
I'm aware of what's happening right now. My son might be doing it because he's unconscious. He might be doing it because he's worried about school. He might be doing it because he wants to get back at me for something I did, right? So uh, what's the right choice at this moment? You're choosing because you got to choose one thing. Because if you try to do five different things, it's not going to work. So the process of choosing is an important one. And, and that's where your values come in. So you say, look, I'm a nice guy. I don't, I don't yell, right? Um, I'm going to choose either a light heart or an advice, right? Uh, and, and, and I'm going to catch myself doing, you know, but, and this is the choice that I make. This is something that has to be practiced. Right? This is not because if you let yourself go on automatic, you'll choose what I chose this morning, which is to yell, which is exactly the opposite and the wrong thing to do. And then tackling it is just putting it in Tackling action. is just do it. Yeah, so doing I chose, it, actually doing it. Yeah. I chose, let's say, the right thing to do would have meant to be the light heart this morning, yeah. right? Yeah. And there was a choice that was available to me. So when I asked myself, what's the menu of choices? Because this is where we get in trouble when you ask. So this morning, I thought my only menu of choices was to yell. Right or to be quiet, but in fact, yeah, I had yeah. five more choices. Right? I yeah, yeah, yelled, exactly. Could have been quiet. Could have made a joke. Could have done this. I could have done that. I could have made fun of it. I could have made fun of him. I could have made fun of myself. Right? I could have done a lot. I could have been could've very beat. calm and tell him something. Six. Did you have a comment? I said you could have beat. You could have six. You could have beat. <laughs> he goes back to the beating thing. <laughs> six. Must be that mustache. I mean, I don't know. That's it. That's it. Um, that's but uh, lots of choice. So I could have beat, yes, but that's like no, we don't do that, right? It's it's another option. But the first thing is to expand the menu of choices and then choose. The choose part is pick the one thing you're gonna do, choose it based on the context, based on the outcome you want to go with, and then T is tackle is just follow through and get it done. That's where the learning happens, right? Yeah. So yeah. so my brain basically what happened this morning with my brain, I had zero learning. I yelled at him. He snapped back at me. Yeah. It's the same story, same movie we've seen. Each of us seen and seen a hundred times. Zero learning happened. Right? Had I been smart enough to to notice in my list of available choices, I made my I gave myself two choices. I could be quiet or I could say something in a snappy way. In fact, I had five choices, but I didn't think about that. And then I chose to yell. Just even of the small number of choices, I chose yeah. the wrong. A 50-50 chance to get the right thing to do, and I did the wrong thing. Fine, right? But then following through with it and actually doing it all the way through, that's when the learning happens. Because what would have happened, I, I bet, had I made a funny joke about it, would have opened the opportunity to discuss and to talk about it. I probably would have embarrassed him. He's a, that, he's a nice kid, right? He would, have, he would have cracked back with another joke, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever it is. And um, it, it, would have, uh, it would have worked very differently. Sorry, my dog has something to say. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> So that you have the archetypes on your upend website too. So upend.com is is that uh, website, the new the new company there. Um, you've got the archetypes: the warrior, the mystic, the lighthearted, and the lover. Is there? How do you incorporate that into your teachings? Is that something that we need to find balance around? Sort of being sort of uh, or uh, <clears throat> maybe embodying part of all those, or is it good to identify where you're at? Uh, like what? How does that work? Sure. So think about, you know, like four basic archetypes, right? They show up in, in, in hundreds of different cultures, right? And it's some combination of, you know, mind, heart, you know, body, soul, or it's warrior, lover, right? Light heart and, and, and mystic, like that. So all, just use these things as kind of a, a simplifying device, right? So you just say, we all kind of know what a warrior did. Like warriors get it done, right? And lover is, 
take care of stuff, right? And and be gentle and have empathy. And mystic is kind of connect with something greater than yourself, right? And get some advice from your your better self, right? Or or you know your mystical self or your spiritual or religious you know source, whatever it is that that you know that works for you. And and uh, the light heart is uh, you know how do you be you know how do you bring some lightness into the situation? How do you bring a light heart into the situation? So think of those four archetypes uh, in 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 your life, and ideally you have all those four available to you. Uh, as a toolbox, and you can pull out of any one of them the right thing to do in the right situation, right? So, so if you're in some kind of a you know work situation and you got to get stuff done, being a light heart and just kind of you know you know being ha ha be this is really funny da 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 like that's not going to get things done and it's going to turn people against you, right? Because it's like not funny work work we got to get stuff done like the show is going on we got to get stuff going like stop goofing off get it done. So you can call the wrong set of skills up at the wrong time. But what happens to most of us, we fall into one pattern out of these four. We'll just be the supporter, right? We'll just be the guy who loves everybody or the woman who loves everybody, takes care of everybody. And like sometimes though people like they don't get stuff done. Or the other one's just joking all the time, or the other one's just in fufu la la land, connected, just waiting for the spirit to provide everything and talks about abundance and and you know, uh, uh you know, drives a, a, a beat up car. Right, uh, like like that. So it's about pulling these things up as and when you need them, and and have, developing some skill in each of them, and then rebalancing them. Ideally, you rebalance them. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, I, I like that. So, Darren, do you have any questions at all, or any thoughts? No, no, no. Okay. Um, I am interested in your through this whole journey of ancient wisdom and all. That. Have your views on on the enlightenment and materialism changed at all? Like uh, how, you know, I mean, I guess then we'll, I'll ask more questions based on your answer on, on that. I mean, look, it's a, it's a loaded question. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Uh, or maybe they haven't changed. I mean, maybe they've been the same, but I know mine have been changing and developing over time. That's you know? right. I think a couple of things are happening, right? Uh, one thing, I think there's just a general level of awareness is going up. Uh, I just know the conversations I have with my close friends, right? Or with right, my right. family members. I mean, we used to just, shoot the you know breeze about this and that and the other now we're talking about more important things and it doesn't have to anything to do with age right I'm, I'm having the same kind of deeper conversations with my kids than i did before right or with 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 you know people at work co-workers that are in their 20s right that just you know the same co-worker that was 20 years old you know 10 years ago we didn't have we didn't talk about a lot of the things that we talk about today so i think there's a positive wave of, of of awareness uh and, and consciousness that that's that's arising and and that's a good thing i think the other thing the flip example? side of that is i'm sorry can you give us an example of something just look at that what's happening in that you know just look at the movies right just look at the uh, uh music look at look at the kind of the messages we're getting through music that used to be you know i mean i grew up in the 80s and the 90s and it was boy loves girl girl loves boy and then I hate the world, and and that's that. And today you listen to somebody like grandson, right? Uh, super cool kid. Uh, and you know he talks about, you know, you sold your son and the daughter for another dollar in your pocket, right? And you sold the water, and there's no more water, and water's running out, and like that. Like whoa, that's what my kids are listening to these days. I didn't listen to that, uh, right? So that's it's 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 in the air, right? And and if I if I talk to my kids how they deal with issues of diversity. Uh, 
today and how they're like not freaked out over anything or anybody, like the, the level and degree of acceptance that they have versus the degree of acceptance that I grew up with, whether I was on the receiving end or the doling out end, it's just very different. Uh, and I think that's helpful and that that level of awareness is there. Now, I think the parallel thing that's happening that I think is, is frankly dangerous is uh, a lot of the, if you will, the awareness work and consciousness work and spiritual work is being co-opted uh, by, by, uh, by folks who either see an opportunity to make money or folks who see an opportunity to push a particular agenda. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, right-wing, left-wing, woke, anti-woke, whatever. But, but if, if you're kind of hijacking, it's a little bit like somebody hijacking the Bible or the Quran to explain the, the bad things they're doing and they quote the verse from whatever, you know, Genesis uh, or, or, or a verse from the Quran and, and, and say whether you're for or, uh, or against it. And, you, and, you know, there, there are some verses there you could misinterpret in, in any different way. It's the same thing what I'm seeing happening now. Um, for example, I live in Silicon Valley. A lot of the big tech companies here, I think, kind of co-opted the whole meditation and awareness and, 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 and to get like more compliant workers who can work longer hours uh, at the office instead of taking real time off. Like, don't make people work 80 hours a week and go on meditation classes. How about you let them work 40 hours a week and let them just go do whatever they want with the rest of their time? Just yeah, that's a that's a good exa example too. I mean, it, it's also probably happening in the new age movement a little bit. I mean, we've uh, we've sort of had some sort of some top shows on on the new age, and I'm I'm a little bit new agey myself, so I have a hard time with this whole thing. But I mean, people are kind bit. of pushing back on on the new age a little bit as as, as being a bit scammy these days. It, um, I mean, look, I mean, you got well known medical doctors that go on TV. And start hawking, you know, unproven supplements, right? Uh, so it's okay if you and I hawk supplements. Because I don't know about you, but it's okay if I hawk supplements. It's okay because because I'm just hustling. I don't know what I'm doing, right? And and I'm I don't know if this supplement does something or doesn't do something. But if you're a medical doctor and you actually know that this supplement is 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 total quackery, you know, I'm just a weasel businessman. If I'm selling stuff I don't know anything about, you're actually committing like. <laughs> fraud <laughs> you know you shouldn't be doing this because you actually know what you're doing like that so there's a lot of that that's been uh that's been uh co-opted right in uh uh kind of the co-opted spirituality and and i mean you see the scandals that are happening right in religious organizations right with these new movies that are coming out whether they're true or not right the alleged you know uh sexual malfeasance and all of this you see it in business right with from do you remember the old days of enron and worldcom and today we work and the bro culture at Uber and, 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 you know, people just lying and cheating, uh, and, and all under the guise in, in, in this new age or under the guise of saving the world and being so wonderful, you know, Facebook is like, has a staff of 300 psychiatrists trying to figure out how to get into my kid's brain. You know, Jewel is, is selling, you know, I mean, vaping is back on. I mean, there are more kids vaping today than there were kids smoking when I was a kid. Yeah. Right, so you tell me if that's a good way to make money, shoosh, right? It's, you know, yeah. are, we, are we using the things that we know for good or, uh, or, or not? And that's where I kind of draw the line. And that's why I wanted that up and to just have something that's transparent, that everybody sees what we're doing, that we have, a, there's no secrets, there's no gurus, 
there, there's no fufu lala stuff. We clearly say, hey, this comes from this tradition, this comes from this tradition, this is spiritual, this is biology, right? This is religious, this is physics. And then you make your own, because at the end of the day, we trust people to, you know, they got everything they need in their own life to make their own decisions. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and uh, figure out what's good for them in their life, right? Rather than some guru or guruette saying, you know, just follow me and say these four magical words and, and things will be good. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's like practical wisdom or practical spirituality. Yeah, living you know? wisdom, Like right? from living. ancient, from living wisdom. Yeah, living from, wisdom. From That's ancient. right. Exactly right. So what about from a materialistic standpoint or like the new atheist movement, com you know, compared to just like just being just compared to like a a, a spiritual reality or, or extended consciousness reality? Like, have you seen a shift in the last 10, 20 years that I feel like it's hard to know because we're kind of in it, but I feel like uh, there's more awareness and acceptance um, around uh the phenomena of consciousness and extended consciousness, you know, what? there are other realms or there's other, there's another spiritual reality besides this sort of materialistic one that we've kind of been sort of pushed into. But on the other side of it, there's also the, the stuff that you're talking about, like this, this sort of, um, this co-opting as well that's happening. But what what's your thought on the first kind of question? Yeah, it's an important question. Uh, I think today and, you know, uh, I'm a little sad that uh, that uh, various religious institutions uh, have kind of fallen off track a little bit, right? It's that, so you know you see statistics every year how many fewer people go to churches and mosques and synagogues, and you see churches and mosques and synagogues, you know, in New York City being converted to you know bars and dance clubs, and you know in San Francisco we have one that was you know a beautiful church, it's converted to a skating club, right? Uh, inline skating or whatever hippie inline skating thing. Um, so I think that was one. So, so we kind of built, we came from a system that said, okay, we have a traditional education system. We're going to teach you science over here. And we're going to only focus on your brain and nothing else, right? We're going to, we're going to be a skeptical atheist uh, evolution based scientists in school. But we did that with kind of a context of there being a church, a synagogue, a mosque or whatever, a Hindu temple or whatever it is. And it was kind of there in the background. So you didn't really, like, you could outsource that kind of stuff. You could outsource the spirituality, and you could do separation of church and state and separation of church and school because you had church and you had school. And then over time, I think, as churches, whatever, through their own scandals or through their messaging or through whatever. Dogma, maybe. Dogma, right. Um, and then these kind of new agey movements that came and try to make money and, you know, the new Buddhism and new this and new that. You know, kind of people got a little spooked about, about the statistics. I'm just looking at the statistics, right? So fewer people are engaged in, in religious and spiritual practice in an organized way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. So, because then the only thing you're left is the brain and, and kind of scholastic and academic. And I was a professor at Yale, right? I used to teach math. So, so I know about like the academic way of thinking. It's, it's dry, it's, it's logical, it's reasonable. And it also leaves aside your heart, your body, and your spirit altogether, which we kind of need to live. So uh, then what I'm seeing is people that are just saying, okay, I need something. And then and then people are kind of falling for anything, right? looking for anything, chasing the next new thing. And, and, and it's hard to distinguish what's the real deal and what's not the real deal, right? Is somebody hawking 
some kind of a new theory they concocted, you know, three days ago that's not proven, that doesn't work, that's actually sending you in the wrong direction, uh, frankly, right? Like, I, like these single source solutions, right? All you need in life is empathy and nothing else. All you need in life is awareness and nothing else. All you need in life is high performance and nothing else. All you need in life is these vitamins, <laughs> like that. All you need is this radical exercise routine that you get up at four in the morning and you lift 800 pounds and you do that and the rest of your life works. And I think these single solutions uh, are, 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 are good in the context of all of them being together, but oftentimes they kind of exclude everybody else and say, this is their solution, I'm the guru, uh, and you just follow me, and it's, it's positive intelligence, it's the whatever, whatever, whatever the, 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 the thing of the day is. And, and uh, what, what I'm hoping to do is that there's going to be, what's emerging is kind of a network of people that can tell kind of what's real and what's rooted in something real and who's in it for a good reason and in it doing things in a good way and who's just trying to make a quick buck. Yeah, I mean that's almost a segue to uh, to how you guys organize your information or your courses based on like there's some things that you check into all these ancient wisdoms and you make sure that there there's some like they've been around for this long or they're they've sort of been sort of tried test and, and true and there's similarities between them all. Maybe you could dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, look as as I was thinking about what worked for me. Uh, I'm a skeptical engineer by training. I went to law school later in life, right? So, so I can go to the you know maximum skeptical spectrum with anybody. Uh, at the same time, I'm a spiritual person, so fine. Leave that to one side. Let's just talk about the skeptical piece. So, I was a little concerned about the kind of the new age hacks, right? Whatever the hack is of the week, uh, and I wanted to find something that, like, as a good scientist, like, do we have? If, if you're if you're going to use some cancer drug on yourself, right, or prescribe it to a patient, what you want is not one study. You want to do an analysis of 20 studies that have been done over the last 20 years across different continents. So if I'm going to teach something in the wisdom world, I, I'm not a guru, right? So I can't tell from my experience. I'm still figuring this stuff out myself. But but I, I look back at humanity's wisdoms and I said, look, there's really two filters. I learned this from one of my teachers, you know, Patricia James, who's an indigenous woman. And, and she worked with a professor from Berkeley who is an anthropology professor, Angelus Arian, and was also the carrier of the Basque tradition, right? The spiritual carrier of the Basque tradition uh, for, for many years and kind of recognized in the Basque, you know, tradition and, 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 and all of that. And, and what I learned from the two of them through Patricia is you look for things that are, one, cross-cultural. Do they show up independently in different cultures? And it's the same concept. And, and, you know, any culture will have 30, 50, 100 things going on. Then another culture will have another 50 things, another 50 things. But if you look across cross-cultural, there's maybe 20 concepts or so that keep repeating. Courage, patience, reciprocity, forgiveness, discipline, uh, empathy, compassion, da, 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 da. They're the same. The message that you talk to, you know, you, you listen to what Jesus said or what Muhammad said or what anybody said, Abraham, religions, Hindus, Buddhists. Atheists, right? Clinical studies, you kind of you kind of got it covered. It's cross-cultural. So I thought that's safe to teach because it arose independently across so many different cultures. The other filter I had is that I learned from them is, is what's perennial? What has lasted a long time? 
right? Not like we came up with some new generation, like COVID vaccines or whatever, something vaccine and some, you know, we had all these things that we started and, you know, seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, uh, what, what do we use to put in water, right? All kinds of things. And we seemed like a good idea to everybody used to have their appendix taken out and their tonsils taken out for 30 years. And later we said, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. Wait, they don't <laughs> right? do that anymore? No. They don't, they don't take out appendixes? <laughs> no, maybe that's why my kids are as crazy as they are. As kids. <laughs> Tonsils either? No. No. Lobotomies, I mean, you know, reason. lobotomies too. I mean, I know well, some. Lobotomies, I, listen, we listen, the, listen. You know, we had like all listen, kinds of crazy stuff that we thought everyone, worked for a while. And then we thought, oh, that didn't lobotomies work. Lobotomies get thought, a What's rap. safe to teach at Upend is, let's say, Whatever the teaching is, if it survived about a thousand years, right? It's pretty good. That's a lot of generations, right? And if it stayed in that one culture for a thousand years and it survived all of the questioning, all of the skepticism, all of the, you know, the Native Americans talk about this concept of seven generations out, right? That's 300 years. So everything you do, what's seven generations out, right? We support this uh, through UPED. We support this organization called the Seventh Generation Fund. It's an indigenous-only fund. And they support all kinds of projects like that. And, and, and I love that concept. I mean, imagine if people who built Exxon, Mobile, and, and whatever, you know, the SIN companies or Philip Morris or whatever, if, if they thought about seven generations forward. They didn't. Their own kids are paying the price. They're paying the price. Right? For what? For a handful of dollars that, you know what? There's $1,500 on the, new, on, the, on the various public stock exchanges. There's 15 that are SIN companies. Right, uh, a lot of them may figure out a way a way to make money that didn't. I'm not saying we didn't need oil and gas at the time. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But for 50 yeah. years we've known this stuff is not good. For 50 years we've known, you know, hydropower. I mean, uh, uh, what do you call it? Wind power is good. We've known hydropower is not good because it kills all the fish and wildlife and, and and all that. So it's just about what has worked for a long time, and and how do we think about the rights of future generations? How do we think think about uh, including others? In, in our thinking. And I thought the safe way to do it is, you know, one safe place is ancient wisdoms, another safe place is indigenous wisdoms, another safe place is like real academic wisdom research. Not dry philosophy, that also is important, but we had a lot of weird things in philosophy as well, right? You know, Heidegger was a Nazi, right? He's a super brilliant philosopher, but he also thought Hitler was, the, was it. Oh right? yeah, and so, like Sanger and Bill Gates' dad were eugenicists. I, I don't know about that, but yeah, there's a lot of different weird things going on. And I just thought, let's just give, I love this concept of cross-cultural and perennial. And I thought, this is what's safe to teach. Yeah. And when people talk about reciprocity, for example, today, when you talk about reciprocity, let me just give you one example. Most people who ask about reciprocity, they, they know what it is, right? I do something for you, you do something for me. But if you look at indigenous wisdom, that's not what it says about reciprocity. What it says is there's a hoop of life, right? I'm uh, reinterpreting the best I learned it, right? So we should go talk to indigenous people. They'll tell us how it really is. But here's middle-aged white guy interpretation, the best I could figure it out. There's a hoop of life. And in that hoop of life is all the humans and all the four-leggeds and all the finned people and all the winged people and the clouds and the sun and the planets and everybody else. It's a hoop of life. Reciprocity is you have a special gift, but the reason you're here, and you give into the hoop of life. So I don't give to you. I may give to you individually, but I don't have an accounting system like we have in America. I do something for you, exactly 75 points of something, and you give me exactly 75 points of something else. Then I turn to the next guy, and, and I give him 36 
points of value and it gives me back 36 points of value. So I keep a really close accounting system in my head who owes me favors, whom I owed favors to, and we kind of do the best thing to balance this out. But the reciprocity is a one-on-one contract. And indigenous wisdom says, no, reciprocity is a contract between you and the world around you. And you got to have a little trust, right? Which is, frankly, if you think about it, this is how a forest works, right? The, 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 uh, the plant in the forest doesn't flower, so it would get something from a specific bee, right? The bee comes and pollinates the tree and the, and, the, and the flower, and then the bee makes the honey, and then the bear eats the honey, and the, the hare eats the bear, eats the salmon, and the salmon goes in the river. Nitrogen from the dead salmon flows down the river into the ocean. Orcas eat the salmon. Like, it's a massive system that works really well, except for the humans that we inserted, right, in, uh, in, in, in the middle of the planet. We're the, we're the ones who screw up the system. So it's a little bit about uh, uh, not just teaching what reciprocity means, but reteaching what reciprocity means. And I thought, if you look at reciprocity from what we know from the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st century, reciprocity is what I just said, one-on-one accounting between you and me. And reciprocity, in the, in, if you go back a few years, you know, a few generations, means something completely different. And that's, and, and that's the kind of teaching that I thought, okay, this is a safe thing to teach. Now, what we don't teach is, you know, did the earth, you know, is the earth a turtle, a whirl and a turtle? Or is it, you know, did God create the earth in six days or seven days or 10 days? Or these are kind of specific uh, cosmologies from different religions. And frankly, if you talk to indigenous people around the world, they love hearing about other people's religions. Right? So there's a story. There's a guy named uh, uh, John Mohawk, who was a Seneca, uh, Native American. And he tells this story about how the Christians try to convert, uh, you know, the Indians, Native Americans, Indians at the time, right? He says the word Indians. And, and he says they would give him this religion, and the Native Americans would just listen, right? They would be fascinated. It's this beautiful, right? Jesus Christ, and this, and that, and this story, and the earth was created, and, and all of this. And then, the, the, you know, the preacher would say, well, so, you guys want to convert? And the Native Americans would say, no, 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 we, we love, you know, we have our own thing. But there was 500 tribes here before we got here. And everybody had their own thing, and they, they didn't try to make the other guy take their thing, right? So, like, that's a really nice thing to do and say they were fascinated with each other's view of the world, and we like to beat each other up with our view of the world, right? Just on Fox News and CNN, right? Uh, you don't have to go, you don't even have to go religious or spiritual. Yeah, that sounds like the potlatch, eh, Darren, too, with the reciprocity? I mean, wasn't there a real giving, like, they would really sort of practice giving to each other more than That's receiving right. it would be giving right who can sort of give the it's all most. about the giving because right. it's it's giving plus trust right and 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 the way they learned that they can trust the system is they were keen observers of nature right they just looked how nature works and nature takes care of everybody right everybody's everybody's got it it's abundant it's an abundant system everybody does just fine in a but forest our- ecosystem <clears throat> right in an ocean ecosystem it works just fine it's just the right amount of oxygen and nitrogen, just the right amount, just the right number of coral, just the right number of wolves and sheep and, 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 and elk and salmon and bears and everything else. It kind of balances itself out. And we come in and we say, no, 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 we want to have farmed salmon. So let's just have 100 million salmon. Then we'll put four dams on a river and then we're going to kill the orcas because they, you know, they don't have the salmon. So we're, we're living in the world of unintended consequences, right? We got the benefit of the car. And cheap energy, but now we got global warming. Right? We got the benefit of whatever, whatever, and now we got you know 
COVID or we got this or we got that, right? Because we're, we're disturbing these, these uh, natural ecosystems instead of learning from them. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. It's I, I but I just think I think we we weren't dropped in. Well, I mean, maybe we were, but I, I feel like we're a part of the environment. I mean, we are a part of yeah. it. It's how how we learn to live with it, like the like the ancient cultures did, you know. And that's really the point of practical wisdom: is how can we bring back? We can't bring back all of that. We're not going to go back to the cave, all of us. Right? There's too many of us to go to the caves. So I'm not suggesting that we just go back and everybody live like cave people, right? I'm suggesting what are the lessons that we can learn from nature and then from the original people, right? That came from Africa, right? What did they learn? And then all the way through. So you have ancient cultures that kind of were there and they are no longer there, right? They, they just disappeared, but they left a lot behind, right? For us to learn from. And then there are indigenous cultures, which spent real time passing wisdom from generation to generation, right? They really invented a lot of good spiritual technologies for the next generation to really learn the ways of the previous generation, which plants to pick, what time of year, what kind of animal to hunt, when to migrate, and they just learn from one to the other. And, and with us, we say, you don't need to learn, just go to school. We'll yeah, teach yeah. you algebra, spelling, and you're good. Yeah, I mean, look, they even built ancient structures based on the celestial systems, the solar yeah. and the lunar. I mean, yeah, they were, they were handing it down. Darren, you got any last-minute questions? Um, hmm. no, I don't think so. No, I, I think that was a nice chat. Yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. So tell us about, uh, a little bit more about how to connect with you on Upend or how, how people, um, should get a hold of you. Sure. A little bit it's more very simple. Website. You know, we built Upend as kind of a transparent community, right? We're not selling anything. We're not pushing anything. We're not, you know, preaching anything. It's a community for people who, who care about, making their life work better, but want to do it kind of in a good way, right? In a solid way, without having to buy and subscribe to some specific way to do it. And, 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 uh, and I say community because it really is a community. Uh, when we do surveys after classes, people say they learned as much from the other people as they did from the teachers, right? And we create all these opportunities, right? We have this little wisdom happy hour that, you know, that happens. There's all these little free events that you can... Sorry about that. My dog. That's, a, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and there are all of these free events where people get to interact with each other uh, and, and talk to each other. And then we have the teachers uh, who, who, who are um, experts in one particular area, right? Of transformation of life or coaching or embodiment, right? Or indigenous culture or, or you know, personal and professional development uh, like that. Who, uh, you know, and, and the, 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 mo the model is very simple, right? is we kind of drop a topic, we talk about it, teachers share a few things, we talk about it, so the learning happens organically and, and, and uh, through discussion. And, and almost everything is free. You know, we're running it like a nonprofit, so we, you know, we're, we're, we have paid classes, right? Uh, and we have things that you can do on your own, like just download and look and see online. And then we have classes where there's like a real class, like a 90-day class, where you say, look, I want to work on some wisdom skills in my life. I'm going to pick three. I'm going to pick what I want in my life. What matters to me right now is, I don't know, forgiveness, abundance, and patience, right? And then you spend 90 days working with the coach to, uh, to build that. So that's the idea at Upend. Uh, the address is upend.com. Uh, very simple. Uh, and then it's info at Upend for emails. And we're on all the social media uh, and everything else. And it's, you know, we invite people to stop in, check it out, come back, come and go as you please. 
right there. There's no hooks, no tricks, no gimmicks. Uh, it's something that we're doing that, that we think is useful to engage in, uh, engage people in conversation. Awesome. Is, Thanks. This has been great. Is up and just U P E N D. Yep. U P E N D. It's like that, uh, like on Twitter and all, all that. That's right. Yep. You can find it uh, on, on all of those places. Cool. Right on. Thanks, Elvira. This has been great. That's been fantastic. Thank you both, yeah. gentlemen. Really appreciate okay. it. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Have right, a good we'll night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was a chat with Elver, Dr. Elver Kosovic. What'd you think, buddy? Dr. Elver Esquire. Um, What's quite Esquire? Quite a high performer, eh? I mean, imagine that, eh? All the stuff he's doing, yeah. starting companies, lawyer, mm -hmm. doctor. Doctor, lawyer. Mathematician, uh, ancient wisdom. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I kind of... I kind of wish it didn't have to go into global warming and stuff in the end, but yeah, that's okay. That's, no that's fine. You know, that's what I was like yeah. when you're yeah. like, "Do you have any final questions?" Because I had a couple, and I was like, "Nah." Yeah, I just, it's just yeah. I, I really like what they're doing, and I don't know. I mean, what does Esquire fine. mean again? It's he's a lawyer. He he got his degree in law school. That's all Esquire. Oh right, Esquire is just yeah. a lawyer. Not so he just got a it. lawyer. I mean, come on. Can't say just a lawyer. Can I? I just did. Um, you don't think? I mean, no offense to uh, Doctor Kosovic, if he to Elver, if he listens to this. But I mean, come on, let's not put the lawyer on a pedestal. Um, you think I could be a lawyer? I should be a lawyer. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, this is a lot of reading. <laughs> you got to be a little more detail oriented. <laughs> You might find a way to pass the bar somehow, but is that all I get to do is pass the test? I don't have to go to school. <laughs> Can I just walk in out the street? Just walk in and right? it's a tough exam. I mean, just boom, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That'd be all right. Now nah, it seems lame just arguing in court. Baron Grimes Esquire does have a nice ring to it, though. I'll just yeah, add it. it. <laughs> anyway. Big thanks to uh, Elver for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're a supporter, if you're, you know, PayPal Strike, whatever you want to do. If you're a supporter, we couldn't thank you enough. We couldn't do this without you. Yeah, and we really we can't. Need, I'd have to we, go back to work. Yeah, or be uh, live under a bridge and winter's coming. Ain't winter living. in Canada. You ain't living here, buddy. Yeah, winter in Canada. Yeah. Like Elvier mentioned, like you're going to wake up and the first three hours is dark. <laughs> Yeah, we're here already. There already. I went to the gym this uh, morning. It was dark. It was fucking yeah. dark, like pitch black. It was pitch black. Yeah. Well, the clocks will go back in a week or so. Fuck the clocks going back. I but wish it, it would just. But I was going to ask him about that. Like, so how how are we supposed to live with this to the circadian rhythms if if they're so out of whack in these northern areas? Are we supposed to live near the equator? Like, is that healthier for us physically? I wonder if it is. You know. Well, I think you would just sleep more in the winter. You would conserve more energy, you know. You spend some time. Maybe, the, yeah, maybe that's what maybe some time yeah, in maybe. the wigwam, fucking. Yeah, get some sleep in. There was in no the summer. Winter. You go to bed late, get up early. That's right. Chase I guess. Uh, anyway, it was a good chat. Anyway, and if you guys support the show, we would love you for it. Check out our other podcasts, Grammarica Outlawed, over at grammaricaoutlawed.ca. Check out our audiobooks, adultbrain.ca. Join the chats, grammarica.ca slash chats. We have a telegram now. It's just Grammarica, I think, right? 
I can check right TS. now. It, 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 there's a link in the chats, though, for that. But, uh, yeah, let me just check here quickly. Uh, Grimerica is uh, Grimerica, yeah. There you it go. just says Grimerica. It's that t.me slash Grimerica, yeah. There you have it. You can join any of those. You can go to contact at the cabin.com. We're, we're back in Discord. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I think Cruising with Steak is, is stealing some of our good uh, channel content um, and our bots. They're taking them over the, over there. So people were playing around with bots in our Discord and then they just all went to Cruising with Steak. So thanks, guys. Huh. What's Cruising with Steak? <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. So many cigarettes So profusely